I think if you're starting a media company and if I started it again, if you didn't go subscription first, you're an idiot and you're a fool. Yeah. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. Uh, I put my all in it like no days off. On the road, let's travel, never looking back. All right, we're live. Um, so did you see I uh, got Ariel Hawani to agree to come on? I know. Good job. How'd you do that? A friend, a good buddy of mine is like best friends with him. And I just begged him. <laughs> your uh, your outreach, I had never seen you try so hard. Normally, you're pretty cool about things. I don't think you really care with too many people. But yeah. I could tell you wanted this one. <laughs> I did. I uh, So basically, Ari- there, for the people listening, there's this guy named Ariel Hawani. He's got a million followers on Twitter. So he's not like that niche. But basically, he's like the god of MMA journalism. And the reason why he's interesting is because he just quit ESPN, where he was probably making close to a million dollars a year as a host. And he created a Substack, his own podcast, and he's kind of building like a little media media empire. Yep. And uh, so we're, we'll have him on and talk about that. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that's interesting about him was he's been in it for a while. So, like, you have this phrase, I think you've said, like, niches get riches, basically, which is like... yeah. Uh, a lot of people are afraid to go into a niche market and is it niche or niche, by the way? I have no idea. Um, Both will, will can work. Okay, good. So, you know, a lot of people are afraid, oh, is this too niche? And I think you have the opposite reaction, which is too niche. Fantastic. Um, at least that's my my understanding. You tell me if that's that's right or wrong. Well, it's the, the two things. One, when you when whenever you start doing something, it's definitely better to start for a very small group of people and a very small niche and corner that or at least get big in that and then expand. Or the second thing is you can stay in, in a growing niche and grow with but get, you know, start your start your business on top of a huge wave. For example, Twitch. Video game streaming, super small niche. They never expanded really, right? It's still the same thing they, from day they've one. They tried, but it's still, you know, dominant where it's just gaming. Yeah. And that niche has just, they're in it. It just is no longer really a niche. Or you have like an Amazon, only books, and then you dominate that, and then CDs, and then this, and then this, and then this. So, yeah, right. I, I think starting small is always the way to go or is often the way to go. Yeah. And I think in, in Ariel's case, what he did was, um, I know he's a fan of, the, I kind of want to ask him this. He's a fan of the NBA, like he's a ba- big basketball fan, but he didn't go for, journalism basketball journalism which would have been a a more obvious safe choice instead he went for mma which was like this fringe really niche sport that you know it was kind of like you know john mccain in new york is calling it human cockfighting it's like not allowed in certain places yeah so it wasn't really like a, a very safe choice but he was the only dude doing it it felt like it was like you know you can go back you know 15 years basically and you see clips of him talking to people backstage and just budget production value but he was like the guy covering this regularly. And because of that, he's got like deep relationships, deep respect amongst the fans to the point where even though Dana White, who's the president of UFC, hates him and has banned him from like UFC events, um, he's still the number one journalist. So imagine, you know, like this guy that, that Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, just hates and bans from the game, still being the number one you know, journalist for, for the athletes. That's kind of uh, unusual. And so yeah, he's an interesting dude with a, with a cool story. Yeah, I'm excited to have him. I I actually think that I, I think that it's gonna the, it'll be a hit with our listeners, even the people who aren't into UFC. I think it's gonna be a hit. But I am a fanboy, so we'll see. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all good. Hey, let's take a quick ad break to tell you about HubSpot. 
long hours, crazy quotas, bad leads. Selling in a startup is hard work. Thankfully, HubSpot for Startups can help you grow your business without growing the stress. They have an all-in-one platform that connects all your teams together, plus they have a bunch of resources to help you scale. And they're offering a discount up to 90% off. So if you're ready to crush your sales, look no further than HubSpot for Startups. To see how much you could save, visit HubSpot.com slash startups. Can I tell you about a business that is built on trust that I'm obsessed with at the moment? Okay, go for it. All right. Have you heard of examine.com? No. What is examine.com? You've never heard that? Okay. Can you go to your computer now? Are you, you have, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm at it. Let me go there. All right. So I'm gonna do I, I tell, tell you what I see. Yeah. Okay. I go to examine.com and I thought it was going to be about books or something. No, it says nutrition information you can trust. And then it's just like a giant kind of like Google search bar. It's like, uh, like for example, oh, this is perfect actually. My trainer was telling me about ashwagandha. I see ashwagandha oh, here. I, I, uh, I've been taking that for eight days now. Great. So it's a supplement. And so I go here and I guess the idea would be, hey, there's going to be a lot of – if you Google this, you're going to find a lot of information. But we are a trusted source. We do the research. We put the pros and cons here. We make it easy to understand. Is that the idea? Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to summarize this. So the reason this interests me is I have a friend named Sol, S-O-L Orwell. He's a good buddy of mine. I've never even met him, but we, we went to a bunch of conferences and we were in the same room and we never met up, but we became friends. And um, he's a great guy. And I just met him as a guy. And then I saw his business. And it's called examine.com. And what it does is they do a a few things. So first, they get about 40,000 visitors a day. And they get those visitors by having this free content. So what you're looking at, where it examines that supplement, uh, ashwagandha. But the model in which they make money is that they have a membership. That membership has supplement guides and then they also have a thing where they look at all the recent studies and they summarize it to tell you exactly what you need to know. And it'll say, this is a strong study and the conclusion is this. This is a not great study and the conclusion is this and you should not you should avoid it. And they do that with all types of studies. And basically, right. the, what the company is... And I, the, I'll explain why I think this is a, is a big deal. But basically, they take knowledge that's locked up or complicated to understand and they make sense of it into a really easy to understand uh, way. And so they have... I'm going to give you some stats. 40,000 visitors a day, 20 employees, 7 figures in revenue... 50,000 people have signed up for their membership or um, bought some of their guides. And that's only been around for about two years, the guides have, or the membership. And so uh, they made money by selling guides. And so I bought the supplement guide. They have one on like... I, I have like uh, panic attack problems that I'm trying to fix. And they have guides on... It, it listed all the... It said here, if you, these six supplements have been proven by clinical trials to help with panic attack. And it lists right. them all. And it says, take this one. If you don't feel anything in two weeks, pair it with this one and then pair it with this one. And they tell you and they go, and when you buy it, make sure that it's magnesium, not magnesium oxate. Like they tell you very specific stuff. And I think this business is amazing. It's amazing because they've spent years building up trust. So men's right. health, uh, Dr. Andrew Humerman, do you know who that is? He's that guy who has a YouTuber. He talks about health stuff. He's like kind of going viral yeah. right now, which is on Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss. They all, everyone cites examine.com. New York Times cites examine.com. They've spent years building up trust. Every word that they write is very meticulous. Now they're starting to monetize. And this model, I actually think it's amazing. And I didn't, at first, I was like, there's no way this can be a big idea. But there's this company called Up to Date. You've probably never heard of UpToDate. If you're listening and you're a doctor, you probably have heard of this. And so it's basically examine.com, but for doctors. Uh, I mean, it's been around before examine.com. So examine.com is that for nutrition. 
In this business, doctors pay, I believe, $600 a year, and they get the same exact thing. They get access to a content database that very explicitly and clearly says which clinical trials are proven, which are not, and what the conclusion is, and then uh, summarizes a bunch of stuff. Guess how much money that makes a year? Uh, I think a lot. I think I think probably... I mean, I'm just I'm just looking at up to date, and I think it has 15. You know, similar web shows about 15 million visits a month. So uh, that's pretty impressive. I would guess. Okay, I'm going to go high. Uh, no, I'm going to go low. It's always fun to to be blown away. So I'm going to say 50 million a year. So the estimate is closer to 500 million dollars a year in subscription. Oh, I'm blown away. I'm blown away. Just as I hoped with my low estimate. Because isn't it, it, isn't it shitty when you're trying to yes, when you're trying like, to blow well, someone's mind and then they yeah. estimate over and you're like well okay not not that much but it's still cool and it's like oh, damn, god damn it like you know that should just be a rule amongst friends if I yeah, ask you I to ballpark something you know let me let me blow you away and the company that owns this does the same thing for finance tax and accounting I believe and that whole company is publicly traded it does like five billion in sales a year crazy business model. And I'll tell you why this is interesting to me. This is interesting to me because I love content businesses. I love them. There's a huge problem with content businesses, which is they suck at making money if you're going to make money (laughs) in the most traditional way of banner ads or some type of BuzzFeed style native ads. I fucking hate that. This model, I love. I think that you could use this model for a bunch of different categories, including skincare, including beauty. I think that would be the next, the, right. the, the, the easiest one, according to Saul. Um, what do you think about this business? It's pretty neat, right? Genius. Yeah. Uh, so up to date makes total sense. Uh, yeah. Like I, I am, I'm surprised I, ha- I haven't heard of it. I am not surprised something like this exists and works. It just makes all the sense in the world. Examine.com also very, very cool. And I think sort of like if, if up to date is kind of like a B2B, Examine is kind of like a, a B2C where it's like, you know, the average person who's just curious, like you, I'm curious about panic attacks or I'm curious about ashwagandha or I'm curious about, you know, whatever, L-carnitine. And, you know, I hear about it. I hear some buzz, but I'm trying to be like smart and safe about things. Where do I go that's not just trying to sell me shit and not just trying to like print page views as like a content form? And so I think that trust is uh, you know, like sort of like one of the only things that matters, you know, like world of abundance. And that's where we are. We're, we're in a world of abundance. And so trust is like one of the key, uh, key things. And examine.com, their rule is they don't uh, recommend any brand. So you can't find any brand on their site. If they say, take magnesium oxate, I was like, Saul, just tell me like which brand so I can just buy it on Amazon. He goes, no. We can't tell you that. You got to go and figure that out because if, if the day we start doing that is the day we start like incentivizing the wrong shit. So it's right. a pretty amazing business model. You know who else does this is consumer reviews. So consumer reviews, you probably don't use anymore. A lot of the people who are younger or my age and younger don't use it anymore. So consumer reviews, it's wire cutter, but they charge a subscription. That company, it's actually a nonprofit. So you can actually look up their revenues. Their revenues, uh, they charge a subscription report, revenue. Right? What did I say? Consumer review, Review. consumer report. Yeah, Yeah. consumer report. It was around. It was uh, around before Wirecutter. I prefer Wirecutter now, but consumer report is pretty amazing. They charge subscription revenue. They still do like 120 million dollars in subscription revenue, and they're telling you like the best TV, the best microphone, the best computer, and they crush it. Yeah. So let me just uh, consumer reports, subscription, newsstand, and other sales. 20, in the year 2020, they did 212 million dollars in re- in subscription revenue. Crazy, right? 212 million Crazy. subscription revenue—that's insane. 245 million overall uh, overall re- revenue in 2020, insane. 
I think if you're starting a media company, and if I started it again, if you didn't go subscription first, you're an idiot and you're a fool and you're a masochist and you like pain. <laughs> if I if I could do it all over again, knowing what I know now, I would only start that way. And it's totally the I think it's the best business model. Clip it. Uh, all right. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I like that a lot. You've talked about this you know, like consumer reports for other things, right? So you've talked about it for SaaS tools. Um, and then some people have tried that, G2 and, and, and others uh, have tried that. What do you think about that? What's your latest thinking on that? Because you've been thinking about that idea for a while. I think it's an amazing idea and someone could still do it. G2 has raised another round of funding uh, at like a multi-billion dollar valuation. I think, I think it still could be done. There's a company called J2 Global. Have you heard of J2 Global? No. All right. Look up the stock of J2 Global right now for me. I, I I'm act like I'm setting you up. I actually haven't looked at it in a while. Uh, is it good? Okay. So J2 Global. Uh, all right. It's trading at $130 a share. The market cap is $6.3 billion. And uh, yeah, you know, like sort of year to date, it's almost a uh, double. So J2 Global, what they do is they own a handful of publications, including I- IGN, Mashable, PC Mag, um, Offers.com and one or two more. But basically, they make the bulk of the revenue, I believe, from suggesting which software to buy in PC Magazine. And that's how they make most of their revenue. And, and, and it's a right. publicly traded company. New, look it all up. So I think this model can still crush it. I think PC Magazine is pretty much garbage. G2 is okay. Um, right. But anyway, I think it's a really big business that so many people are sleeping on. All right, everyone, a quick break because I want to fill you in on a little experiment that I'm doing. I've got a new project. It's called MoneyWise. It's a personal finance podcast for high net worth people or young people who are on their way to becoming high net worth. When I made a little bit of money, I didn't even know how much money I should be spending each month. Should it be 10000 30000 50000 And I didn't really have a lot of people to ask. So I created a podcast called MoneyWise because I wanted to figure out what are some of the things that people who have a lot of cash and who have a high net worth, what do they do with it? The first episode is with a friend of mine. He sold his company for $200 million when he was 31 years old. He gets super transparent about his monthly expenses, his portfolio, how it impacts his happiness, everything. And so I want you guys to check it out. It's called Money Wise. That's one word. You can find it on my Twitter bio. I'm the Sam Parr. Or you can just type in Money Wise on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. All right, back to the pod. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about the HubSpot Podcast Network. If you like podcasts like this, you should check out some other cool podcasts. One is called Business Made Simple. It's hosted by Donald Miller and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. And what he does is he makes it easy to take the mystery out of growing your business. There's an episode that you should check out called What You Should Put in a Job Description to Get the Perfect Hire. And in this episode, Donald Miller looks at the whole hiring process and how important it is to emphasize both the the positive attributes and the drawbacks to future candidates. And you'll learn why being self-aware as a leader will help you avoid hiring disasters. So check it out. Go listen to Business Made Simple wherever you get your podcasts. And, uh, you know, what else could you do this sort of trust trust model for? So I have a, I have one idea, but uh, I'm curious, what else comes to mind for you? Skincare and beauty. That's what I, I think it could be done. Skincare and beauty. Yeah, because what about you? There's, there's an ocean of... There's an ocean of brands and you kind of care about, you know, the the problem I think with that is you don't have fear. So that's that's one really good thing about supplements and medicine is that there's like a fear component to it, right? Like I don't want to actually like die or get side effects from this thing or have have a, you know, sort of a big problem occur because of the potential benefits of something. Whereas with skincare, I think, yeah, you might break out or you might just want to know which one's better. But it doesn't have that fear component where people are going to look it up and say, before I buy this, I've really got to check. And so I think that's one of the keys. Um, you know, there's like, which one of these dishwashers is best? 
I think that's a consumer report thing. It's like, oh, I don't want to research this. Like, oh, these guys test this for 5,000 cycles and they tell me which one lasts the longest and works the best. Like, okay, that's great. I was never going to do that myself. Um, you know, I think that's one version where it's like tires. Which tire is the best tire to get? Which refrigerator is the best refrigerator to get? And then on the other side, there's the fear one, like supplements, medicine, sort of like alternative medicines. What's what's going to happen from those? I think those are two like especially good categories. And I think the difference of choosing the right category versus the wrong category is a multiplier of like oh, 10x, yeah. 10x or 50x of your outcome. I, I would imagine you could do the same for physical therapy. So the reason physical therapy is interesting. So basically, I've had an injured Achilles for a, about a year now, and I've been researching like crazy. And if you search Achilles tendonitis, there's loads of different stuff. And I've been reading so many studies. And what my conclusion now is this. There's only one way to fix your Achilles tendonitis, and that is to do... Rest. Um, well, no, no, no. You, it's rest. But it's to do six sets of 15... Achilles like eccentric drop down. So what that means is you stand on a curb or a step and you slowly, slowly. let yourself fall and then you uh, kind of step up and then slowly. And if you do that, and I read study after study, it's almost like been unanimous that if you do this for three months every single day, your Achilles tendonitis will get better. And I had to dig so deep for that. And I think that something like this could exist for physical therapy and injuries and things like that. Right. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Right now, my mom has this like, she had vertigo, but then it kind of went away, but she still feels symptoms. And the doctor's like, uh, you don't have vertigo. She's like, no, no, I get that. But what do I have? I have something. This is not right. And they're like, uh, blood work looks fine. And then she has to call back and be like, hey, I know the blood work looks fine, but I'm not right. Yeah. What do I do? And they're like, uh, go to, let's do an MRI. Same thing. And then it's like, finally, okay, do these, like, do this physical therapy. So she literally walks around the house with a piece of paper in front of her that has like a letter on it. So her eye has to focus on it and she moves it to the right while she's walking and then moves it to the left while she's walking. And oh it's my like, gosh. dude, is this the exercise? Like maybe it is. If it is fantastic, but where, how do we know that this is it and that there's not like a much faster, better way? Cause previously when she had vertigo, um, that was like vertigo proper. She went to three doctors. Nobody knew what to do. The fourth doctor was like, Oh, lay down and he like shook her head like vigorously and it's like this known cure and basically it like loosens up the crystal in the inner ear or whatever and she was like fixed in 10 minutes and she's like wow like if i just hadn't come to see you how many more months or years would i've just had vertigo like that's like a pretty scary thought uh, yeah I, I think that could work or here's another thing do you know chi- you know anything about chiropractory i know i, I know what, what most people know which is like uh, skeptical skeptical hippo eyes as our boy brendan chobb says and I didn't know that. I thought, sorry to chiropractors or chiropractors uh, fans out there, but basically chiropractor, it, it was invented by a guy, I forget his name, but he was like a snake oil salesman. He was full of shit. And he thought that like, I'm going to, someone's going to correct me because I'm kind of getting it wrong. But basically like there's like evil spirits or something in you. And if Release you adjust it. If you adjust the spine, it releases it. Now, some chiropractor like can help. Very little. Like, but 90%, like 90% of what chiropractors, what we think they do, you 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 can't adjust your spine and like your headaches stop. Like that's just not how your body works. But it's nonsense, right? Also, the the acceptance rate of chiropractor school is a hundred percent. So like and it's like a, it's like a <laughs> it's like a Google AdSense certification. It's not like, you know what I mean? Right. I I know I'm gonna get flack for this. And yes, there are some chiropractors out there. A lot of it though is nonsense. And right. I, I think an examine.com can exist for all types of parts of the body. So anyway, that's my idea on examine.com. I thought it was interesting. I'm a bit obsessed with it. I'm currently on a vitamin regimen and I discovered it on there. I thought it was cool. You want to do another one? 
Yeah. Okay. So let me give you another trust as a service. So this is just like a, I'm calling this my $2 blue collar side hustle right now, which is here's a side hustle that will make you some bucks. It's not going to be a huge business. Probably it's not even maybe going to be around five years from now, but I think right now it's a thing you could do. So, um, are you big on? Did you order a lot of food? Because I'm a, I'm a DoorDasher, right? Like I am, I um, do, but not but not like you. You do like every meal. Well, right? I, mean, I I got a chef now, but even with a the chef, there's still you know two two meals a week where I'm like, uh, let me just fire up the DoorDash and see what happens. Dude, it's so and, expensive; it hurts me. And so when when you get your meal, they all have this like sticker on it now that says safety sealed, and it's just all it is is like you know normally it's like in a bag and they would like tie the bag in a knot. And now they like sticker it to show like no human ha- like the food went in and then we sealed this shit because it's like, like viral videos of like DoorDashers eating the food, eating food, coughing in the food. I don't even know what the fear is. It's just like I, I can't lie. When I see this sticker, I'm like, good. Yeah, I'm glad they sealed it. Like, good. I'd rather it be sealed than not sealed. That's for fucking sure. And right. it wasn't even a thing I was thinking about before. But somebody is out there selling branded safety seal stickers to restaurants. And I just think that in general, there's going to be a whole wave. If you just said, I'm going to sell trust and safety as a service. I'm going to sell it to every business that needs to reassure its customers that it is taking COVID safety protocol seriously. And then you can, you can dial that knob up to level 12 of like chiropractory where you're like, I'm just going to mail these to everybody. They yeah put it on yourself. Honor code. This is an honor code system. You know, like just, just put this sign up in your, in your restaurant uh, put this mat on the outside of your thing. Put this on every doorknob. Hang this on every doorknob. Uh, you know, stick. Put the sticker on every cup. You know, whatever. Um, you could just send it, or you could actually like go out and verify and say, "Hey, here's our five point, you know, safety inspection." And uh, we send mystery shoppers out or whatever. We like actually create kind of like a Zagat reviews type of of sticker or seal of approval specifically for trust and safety around COVID. That's the general idea. What do you think? I love it, and I'm I'm gonna show you an example of 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 something similar to this. Have you heard of? Uh, I think it's pronounced LEED, L E E D, LEED certified, the like green buildings thing. Yeah, so I was looking this up. So it's a nonprofit, so you could easily see their sales. So that that wow, they do. Uh, I think this is. I, I'm almost positive it's run by a company called the U.S. Oh, it's not a company, but a nonprofit, U.S. Green Building Council, and right. I think they is that it. Do you know? No, but uh, yeah, I believe you. And they do thirty-one million dollars a year in sales. And basically, I have no idea what the—I have no idea why buildings are incentivized to do that. But I imagine the business model is such where you pay LEED lead, I guess is what is yeah. what it's called. And oh, here Dan says he's a former accredited professional for lead. So uh, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. Dan, Dan un- unmute. Dan, wait. So uh, okay, yeah, on a scale of one to chiropractor, where is lead certification? It's nowhere near chiropractor. Okay, it's legit. And uh, you are a lead accredited professional. What the heck does that mean? Did you pay for the first? Did you pay for this accreditation? My company, my former company did. Yeah. Okay. So somebody paid for you to get certified and then you charged other companies to go give them the stamp of approval. Is that right? Yeah. So as a professional, you get like one point towards the point total you need to become a lead building. And then there's like a Right. Silver, gold, platinum scale. And it's shit like, you know, you use the right kind of light bulbs, you use the right kind of insulation, that sort of thing when you're building your building, right? Or renovating? Yep. Stuff like that. Um, air quality, indoor air quality, which is really bad normally. Low use water, things like that. No smoking. And why, and why does uh, you, building- you sound like a lead professional right now, bro. I feel like I'm getting lead certified as we speak. 
Why does a building care about getting lead certified? Look good. That's feel a good? good question. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of uh, just wanting to be green. But there's no incentivize incentivization. Oh, dude, uh, like there's, dude, like the government dude. does. Does the government like give you anything, or is it simply just for branding and awareness? I don't know. It's been 15 years since I took the exam, so I'm uh, <laughs> a little out of pace on it. But I'm not sure if there's a big incentive for it. Dan, how old are you? I'm 35. You did this when you were 20? You were a 20-year-old lead certified Might guy? be around a little bit. I think I was 22 <laughs> when I took it. Okay. Um, more importantly, I got a lead certification. Go to my Twitter profile real quick. Just see what you see there. Dude, fuck that. I think you're the worst. <laughs> that is so lame. So, so you'd be verified? So lame? Are you kidding me? Sean got verified Best on Twitter. Ever. He's got a blue check mark. I think that is the lamest, dude. You are not one of, you're not a man of the people anymore. You're so out of touch for getting that. I used to shit on uh oh, I don't need that. I don't need that. You know what what does that mean anyways? Who who, who cares about that anyways? You know, I actually prefer not to have and now that I have it. All that all that bullshit is out the window. I am so Why? glad I'm verified. Why did you get it? So glad I got the blue check. Well, I got it for like actual legit reasons. Like first I was just I wanted it for my ego for many years, but I was, you know, okay, whatever, it didn't happen. Who cares? But then people started actually like uh, impersonating me and scamming my followers. So there were all of these accounts that get created every month and they would go DM my followers, be like, Hey, yeah, what's up? And people were like, Oh, hey, thanks for the DM. I'd be like, no problem. You know, I saw you follow me. Um you know, what, what are you doing with your portfolio lately? And they would scam them into either sending them crypto or buying random crypto shit coins, or they were um, oh getting them to like buy stocks or like send them, like send them money to go like invest in their, like be, they like pretended they were my fund. And so people were actually like, you know, it used to just hurt my feelings that I wasn't verified, but then it was actually like hurting other people. And so I was like, dude, what the fuck? So I was bitching about it. Yeah. And uh, I get, I get, I get that. Cries. I get that. But that's the only reason I'll accept. I think every <laughs> other reason is bullshit. I, don't, I think oh, they're dude. stupid. What's that? It's a little jealousy I was smelling. I, I, I don't know. Like, I think you kind of want the blue check mark too. I think the people on Twitter, at Twitter need to help you out. I think I'm. I think I'm barely famous enough to get it, but I I will not get it. I'm not. You have crypto. Bros you're telling to me. You tell me right now. You push a button and you can just have it or not have it. No, no, nothing else. Just push this little key on your keyboard. You tell me you wouldn't push that button. I give you my word. I will not push that button. Wow. Um, but, wow. But, but if He's I end up, his mom. if I end up having scams like you, then yes. But yeah. I've not had that. I've not had that problem. Yeah, it became like um, a legit problem. Uh, anyways, so okay, lead certification. So yeah, basically, I think uh, I think lead is another good one. Like, I would love if somebody just took on lead and just called it like you know green home. Oh you oh you're you're a green home triple star. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that sound good already? Yes. And like again, you can turn the knob. However, like you can go super legit if you really like find ways that you could kind of score buildings, um, or you could like be somewhere in the middle and you know don't scam. But like, dude, I, I think would that do that. Trust as a service is a great business. I actually think that the health department's scorecard is bullshit. So I had a hot dog stand. I mean, duh. Uh, I, I talk about that. Too oh, really? Much. Have you told that story? Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't drink either. <laughs> Um, and, uh, when, when they, when they did my health certificate certificate, like I just bullshitted through it like hardcore. And like, I I mean, I, my shit was clean, but like they had all these boxes we had to check and it was bullshit. But in the day that we were doing it, I actually was wearing flip flops and they gave me a 95 instead of a (laughs) hundred. 
And so, like, I think yeah, it's kind of not gross toes out while you're making hot dogs. Yeah, nobody Dude, wants we're that. We're outside in a hundred <laughs> degrees selling meat that's been sitting there for like, you know what I mean, like forever. Like, it's it's fucking so disgusting anyway. I have a, I, I, it is super. Dis- I worked so with our, my first thing was a sushi restaurant, and we had a commissary. We worked out of a commissary kitchen, which is like a it's a central kitchen where like caterers and bakers. It's like a kitchen without a storefront. So in there was all the food truck guys. And so you, so in that I saw the hierarchy of like degeneracy. It's like caterers. Okay. So like bakers, bakers are good people. Bakers are, are nice women who uh, care about their product and they do a great job and they're very hygienic. And then caterers are like, kind of like, they're like bakers. They're, they're legit, but you know, the, the need, the demands on a caterer are so high. It's always high urgency. They're preparing for a 200 person party or whatever. So, you know, they're kind of get shit done. They'll cut through the red tape, but you know, you, you, you respect their decisions. Then there's the fucking food truck guys. This food truck guys, they think this is a bar. They're just drunk while they're prepping their tacos. They're pretty disgusting. And then you have the hot dog guy at the end. This guy straight up – okay, so there's like a sink. And if you don't know what a three-compartment sink is, you haven't paid your blue-collar dues. But basically, a three-compartment sink is like kind of where you do the dishes in a, in a commercial kitchen. And like the three, three-compartment three sink is just literally – it's full of like the dirtiest dishes and just a chemical bomb you put in there to like clean them. And the fucking hot dog guy in our commissary kitchen would just go and he'd just fill up the sink with the hot dogs that he's going to be selling like three hours later. He'd just be throwing the hot dogs around there, washing them, dry, you know, put them in the other sink to dry off. And it's like, Ugh. this guy, there was zero. And I literally, I don't think I've had a hot dog since uh, because I saw how the sausage was made and I you know, never want to see it again. So that's my I public service announcement. Don't eat hot yuck. dogs. I agree. I was clean. I mean, I kept myself clean, but I can see why most don't. You can get, you don't have to, you can just get away with it. And it's so not even I, counting what's the meat. I'm not, like, forget the meat. Let's say the meat was pure. The way it's handled, disgusting. So I think you could build a new version of a of a, of a health department score. Actually, I, I actually think that's legitimate. Dude, um, how many other? Could we just do this? Like, okay, I'm bullshit about Twitter right now. Could you just do this? Whether it's like you're, you have a con, you have like a content score, like you know, just like how uh, you know, either like how like you know, uh, safe and kind of like non offensive your content is. Like maybe it's something that's like a, you know, it's it's around your cancellation. You know what we score, should do? You, you or know, it's so- interestingness or your fan score, like how much your fans care about you. We just bullshit like your engagement score, but we make it really visible. It's like Sam, he may not have the most followers, but his followers love him. It's like we make your Q score. Yeah, you, you know what Q Q is? It's like a popularity ranking. Uh, we no, just make some. We, it, oh, you haven't heard this Q score? It's like a thing for celebrities. Clout. Yeah, it's a thing for like Hollywood celebrities. Like, what's your what's your popularity? Kind of like it's not approval rating. It's like your popularity rating. How how well do people know you? And like you know, Obama has a high Q score. And oh, uh, yeah, I feel like you could do that on social media with clout, but just like bullshit the whole thing. Yeah, I, I I think that's crazy. And I think that's good. Clout score. I actually think Clout was amazing. So Clout was a company that was around. It was spelled K-L-O-U-T. Uh, they had like 100 employees. They raised a lot of money. They ended up selling for $100 million. I think it was like $100 million of stock in a privately held company. Like I don't yeah. think it was actually that good of an exit. But they... Um, Great idea, they, Clout. Early. You were just too early. Amazing idea. Way too early. Amazing idea. If it were around now, it would be the best. I yes, actually thought somebody it would, restart Clout and just DM us. 
I thought it was it was the great branding. And people still, to me, make jokes about clout. Like they'll be like, oh, I got to increase that cloud score. And I know what they're talking about. I had a cloud right. score. And basically what happened... I mean, my cloud score wasn't that great. I had like 5,000 friends on Facebook though. And so I qualified. And so McDonald's... Dude, the fact that you're justifying it shows how good of a hook this is. How much I would use it all the people. time. McDonald's would send me a $5 gift card once a month. Right. Um, yeah. Like, amazing. It, it was it was so cool. I loved clout, so I think that could exist, and I think that could that could kick ass. Um, I think this is like yeah. I think there's a lot and of by interesting the way, businesses. Here. I don't even think you really need to do that much differently, right? Like there's I'm sure there's like twenty percent of things you would tweak, uh, maybe in the execution. Like you know maybe you don't have to raise that much money. I think the timing is the biggest tweak that you needed to make. Maybe you ch- change the way it's calculated or the way you promote it or the business model, whatever. I don't think you need to change that much. I just think that the time the time is now and like. As Donald Trump basically created this thing called fake news, I think fake news is very underrated how like big of a wave that actually was created and how much distrust there is around around brands and entities now. And so people are kind of like the atomic unit of a brand at this point. And so, yeah, I, th- I think that uh, that clout, clout should be remade. How about the fact that – so HubSpot has a hub. So this w- one woman who works with me just got Scrum certified. And we paid five grand. It was five thousand dollars or four thousand dollars. And I'm like, so Scrum. I, I I don't even know what it is. I guess it's just like a um a project management. Uh, yeah, it's how you educate. manage like engineering sprints. Yeah. And we paid five grand, and I was like, who the heck like is the Scrum like decision maker? And then I realized HubSpot it's a scrum, scrum Master, by the way. Is it really? Oh my <laughs> yeah. god, it sounds so much more like legit that it that it probably really is. HubSpot has HubSpot certification courses, and if you look on people's LinkedIn, they. They brag about passing HubSpot certification courses. We got to talk. I got to talk to HubSpot. I'll be like, how did you? I'm like, look, like you guys are amazing and wonderful and legit, but like you weren't always amazing, wonderful and legit. You were just starting out and you somehow convinced people to trust you and take this seriously. Right. How on earth did you do that? Because that's amazing. So they so, paid HubSpot. So the, so HubSpot is the collector of the 5,000 dues for the Scrum training? No, sorry. There's a different organization that does Scrum, but HubSpot, you've never seen people brag about their HubSpot certification. So like if you Google HubSpot certification, they've got like these classes no, I, on I just social block media. people if they tried to brag to me about that. So, so, so uh, that's an immediate block. <laughs> so there's like inbound sales, HubSpot marketing software, inbound marketing. And if you Google people, if you Google like that and LinkedIn, there's so many people that put that on their LinkedIn, like certified in, uh, uh, whatever like there's right. so many people that cite uh hubspot as their thing and so like and so they put it like you know how like one time if you look up tyra banks on linkedin she probably still does this she puts that she graduates from harvard okay she went to a harvard uh, exe- <laughs> executive learning day and people put like HubSpot. <laughs> yeah it's like a two-day look at look at if you look up tyra banks let's no, see no, if no. Okay, like, okay okay so she did a nine-week uh, a, a program for executives called the the Owner President Management Extension Program. Yeah, dude, Harvard makes an unbelievable. I'm going to break this down next next podcast. Harvard's kind of whole business model around online programs. Harvard Business Review, uh, the, the the media company. I'm going to break that whole thing down because it's. Crazy. I'll do it with you. I've studied the Business Review a bunch. Um, all right, can I tell you about another uh, another idea or a person actually? Yeah. All right. There's this guy named Matt. Uh, how do you pronounce his last name? From uh, Flipper, which or whatever. Ah uh, uh, man, I don't want to butcher this guy. M- Mick, ah, f- sorry, Matt. I-, I like you. I just don't know how to say your last name. Mickey, kind of like Mickey, and then with Mickey. a Wix at the end. Mickey Wix. All right, Mickowitz. <laughs> uh, I've known about this guy for a long time, but I want to tell you everything that he's done 
because I bet you you know all of his work, but you maybe didn't know he was the one behind it. So in 1998, when he lived in Australia, he started this company while he was in high school called SitePoint. SitePoint basically is a publisher of books, courses, and articles for uh, developers. And so you can like learn HTML, CSS, Java, Ruby, all that. They, they've never raised any funding and they have like 50 employees. I imagine if I had a bet, they probably make 5 to 10, maybe 5 to $15 million a year. Um, that's my guess. Um, well, how do you spell it? Mitskovich. Okay, Mitskovich. His name yeah. is Matt M- Miskovich. Um, have you heard of SitePoint? SitePoint.com? No. Is it still around? All right. It's still around. And so, like, I've heard his story. He was like, basically, I started this like as a forum and then a blog, and people would come to my forum and blog, and I was taking like $10,000 advertising checks when I was like 17 in high school. So I dropped out of high school and went all in on this. Then, when he went all in on it, his forum on SitePoint. People were buying and selling businesses on it. And so he spun out one of the, the forums into its own business called Flippa. You've heard of Flippa, right? Yes. So I believe they... prolific. This yes, really prolific. You haven't even got the two of his hits. Listen. So he started Flippa, which is a marketplace for buying and selling smallish websites and stores and, and, and things like that. They've got millions of users. Flippa is like... Now micro acquires in the space, but Flippa is like considered like the thing. And in fact, I think they just raised a little bit of funding, like $20 million recently. It's got hundreds of employees. It's a pretty big business. Third, uh, on SitePoint, he also discovered that people in the forum were uh, um, buying and selling designs. And so he started this thing called 99designs, which is amazing. 99designs is one of the best sites that I've used. It's a great place to... You basically... You on 99 designs, you give them a thousand dollars, you tell them what you want, and like a hundred designers give you a mock up of what if they think that your project should right. look like, and then you pay for you select the one you like and they get the money. So they they do close to a hundred million, I believe, in revenue. They've raised forty-five million dollars in funding. Okay. From there, he also saw that people were hiring all types of devs. So he started hired.com. Hired.com, I think it kind of fizzled out a, a little bit. It might still yeah. be around. It's definitely around, but it kind of fizzled a little. But they raised $132 million in funding. Definitely could still be quite big. So that's pretty amazing. Then he now his next thing is he's creating, and so this is all has to do with SitePoint. He started SitePoint in 1998. His next thing is called Unstoppable Domains. You know what that is? I bet you know what yes. that is better than I do. Go ahead. I do. It's just a way to buy uh, buy domains in crypto. So, like, I have a domain that ends instead of .com, it ends in .eth, which is .eth, right? So it's a it's a domain name service. Like, uh, it's a it's a domain uh, domain. I think it's a registrar. So it's a domain registrar for making crypto domains. And the reason it's called unstoppable domains is because when you own that namespace, nobody it's on the blockchain. Nobody can sort of take it away from you. Nobody can switch the rules on you. Um, it is sort of there forever. So this guy, Matt uh, Mitskovich, has done all of this. I don't, I don't think he started it, by the way. I think he joined it, which is I DM'd him when he joined it because I was like, if if the guy who's a founder of all these successful companies joins a company, it's like one of the strongest signals that there can be. Um, like just recently, uh, I was saying this about uh, my, my friend, uh, this guy, David McIntosh. He started Tenor. It's a, it's a gift keyboard. Sold it to Google for, I think, a couple hundred million dollars. And then he joined Instacart as like one of their execs. So, wow. he joined, you know, like anytime you're, you, it's like this person's independently massively wealthy, has they you know, started it. their own company. And they, if they want to join as like, not even like join as number one, he wasn't join a CEO, didn't join a CTO, just CPO. He was like, you know, maybe like in the top 10 of the Instawork execs. So that's when you know, like, oh shit, this is like a, this is a, a juggernaut. That's this, this person thinks this is a hundred billion dollar company if they're doing that's something. That's crazy like to that. me. So, and this so, guy, so Matt, let, me, let me just tell you. So I DM'd him. I go, you joined Unstoppable. Super interesting move. I said, what makes you bullish on it? 
Here's what he said. I'm just going to read it out loud. Uh, it may or may not mean anything. He goes, there's a trillion dollar asset class, um, which, which is basically domains, that people are navigating using the equivalent of an IP address. If Web and crypt, if Web3 and crypto is here to stay, then building the identity, like the, the, the basically the address for consumers is one of the most important companies of the decade. That he's like in the normal normal web, you have ICANN. You know what ICANN is? It's like yeah. So it's committee. like a it's like a it's like a committee, which is kind of bullshit to me. But it's the committee that decides shit about the internet. What domains can be? You know, can you have a dot photo or dot biz? Yeah, a domain like ICANN kind of decides those types of things. And he goes, it's one of the oldest monopolies on the internet. It's begging to be disrupted. Crypto gives us a way to disrupt that because it's creating like a new a new ground where they don't have jurisdiction. They don't have rule of law over there. Um, that's one of the few crypto examples or blockchain examples where I wholeheartedly agree. And I think that's actually incredibly useful and totally right. I don't know who's going to host the domain or like how that works, but right. I agree with that like idea because if if you're doing something, I can or whoever uh, can can pull it. Right. Um, yeah. Anyway, so, uh, so, so then it, it, he was just telling me a little bit more about it, but I was like, yeah, that's that's great. That's cool. And I, so, I, bought, I bought an unstoppable domain. This guy's amazing. So, um, and get this, he's 37. He's yeah. only 37 years old. Wild. Amazing. This is, a, have you, you've heard I of him, like obviously. People don't really, yeah, people don't really know about this guy, like, or they don't really talk about this guy, but he's, it's a pretty prolific career and he's kind of like independent and definitely like a, um, I don't know, he's an independent thinker. I could tell, right? Cause 99 design is actually a pretty like very novel mechanism. It's like, oh, what if we created kind of like a design auction? Right. And it's put, the best. It's and, the and, best. Like we used it for our podcast uh, thumbnail or our cover photo. Or yes, our podcast art we did. done through 99designs. And check this out. When we did it, HubSpot um, like had all these designers work on this stuff. And they made like some pretty good logos. And then, But we still went with uh, this guy in the Philippines who made this logo. And it was even... It was better than all of them. <laughs> the the, the trends.co website I had designed on there. Because like... You know, like when you work with a designer, you don't want to be rude to your own designer and be like, no, this sucks. Can you just do exactly right. what I told you to do, please? <laughs> but you can do that with a freelancer a little bit more than a full timer. So I'm, I'm a fan of 99 Designs. And by the way, it looks like there's this guy, Mark, uh, who is his co-founder because it says co-founder of 99 Designs, Flippa and SitePoint. So it's like, that's pretty cool. I like when people create this kind of like duo. It's like, yeah, let's just build a bunch of companies together. I find that to be like pretty inspiring. Uh, and it tells you something about how somebody is to work with if somebody wants to keep going back in and, uh, and work with you again. And I've talked to this guy. I actually invited him to HustleCon two or three different times. And he committed and then some scheduling stuff happened. And we wasn't, weren't, weren't able to make, him, make it happen. But I've talked to him on the phone. He's very humble. So uh, I'm a big fan of this guy. Yeah, me too. Um, okay, so he's kind of like our, our little, you know, internet founder of the week. I don't know. We, we need a name for that. The, uh, we, we have the Billy of the week. We got the blue collar side hustle. We need something for just founders who are badass who have done like yeah. serial, serial, serial entrepreneurs. Yeah, this guy's great. Um, all right. You want to you want to do one or two more? Uh, yeah, let's do some other ones. Okay, so um, do you know this company, Guthy Ranker? I bet yes, you know about it. And I bet most I, of I don't, can tell you all about him. Tell me, tell me all about. It. So last night, all right, so I've I, been gonna, on this, I've been on this binge. I gotta just say, I've been on this binge. Um, I w- I'm rereading the book that really got me into being like kind of like a startup founder. Can and I can I guess? Can I guess? Guess it. Think and grow rich. No, but that is uh, a good guess, especially based on what we're talking about. I actually haven't read that book, so I'm gonna. I want to read it now after reading about Guthy Ranker, but. Um, I 
I'm rereading five, the four hour work week. So, uh, your, your bud, Tim Ferriss, um, wrote this book. I got it right when I was starting my first company. So I, I started my company before this, but once I started reading it, I was like, Oh wow, this, there's people that are like me that are out there who think this way. And this guy's got like systems about this. I'm just, I just started figuring this stuff out. This guy's like been doing this for a decade. Great. And I got what you call the four hour fever, which is what happens right after you read the book uh, is my own term. Cause I get, I've given this book to maybe 50 people since, and they all get the four hour fever right after I, I infect them with the book. And, um, but and so dude, I read it a long time ago. Life. We already lived the four hour work week. Life. So now we live it. And so I went back and I'm rereading it. Right. I'm like, okay, I'd rather, yeah, I want to reread the classics. And so I went back <laughs> and I'm rereading it. And I just want to see, uh, you know, what of it do I still believe in? What of it do I disagree with? What's changed? Anyway, it's pretty interesting. I'm, I'm taking a ton of notes. And I texted you this while I was reading it. I go, let's write a best selling book, 10 million copies sold, the next four hour work week. And then you're like, okay, easy. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. all right, perfect. Because um, I'm serious about that. I, I'm like obsessed with this. So I've just been writing content. I've been writing and I've been reading all weekend long. Like I've just been binging. Like I'm up till four in the morning every night doing this. And I'm like pretty convinced that we could put out like an amazing, amazing book. So anyways, that's like, you know, just calling my shot. Um, gonna do Man. that. We'll Don't use, be surprised. We're going to use... Well, I want to be involved. Let me... Let's yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I invited... I wanted to do... Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm doing this either way. But I was like... What would be the best? I go, what if the best writer I know partner with me on this and we trade it off chapters? So like I can say something, I'll write a chapter. And I, what I want you to do is basically I want you to read it and then you write what you would write right after you read that. So it's like, uh, you know, like actually I totally agree with Sean with this one. I have my own story of how I did that or disagree. I do it totally differently. And I just think that if we play off of each other a little bit, it can become a very interesting book because there's not many books that are, that are out there that are like that. That may all change, but that's what's in my head. I also think that we should do... There's one book that had a pretty fundamental change in my outlook, and it's called Founders at Work. And it yes. was by Jessica Livingston, the woman who started uh, y, uh, Combinator. y Combinator with uh, Paul Graham, their husband and wife. And basically, it was just interviews. But for some reason, it was really special. And it was just interviews transcribed. I think we could do just interviews and write our analysis and, re and reply to the interviews. And we, I, I read that book on a plane. I still remember it because there's a chapter in there about Hotmail. And I just remember reading that book and being like, this is awesome. This is what, is this what it's like to start a company or be around people that start companies? This is fucking awesome. And, you know, by the way, I hope this podcast ends up being that for some number of people in the world. Yeah, well, like, that could be our first book if you want, because that's like a pretty easy and actually amazing and could be fun. I don't even care on the details. I, I just know 10 million copies sold, bestseller. For some people, this is their version of four-hour work. What four-hour work was for me, I want this to be that for like a whole you know, million people out there. I think that would just be amazing. So let's talk about Gun 3 Raker. Can I tell yeah. you what I know and you can tell me if it's true or not? Yeah. Explain them. I, I did a deep dive on them last night. So um, all right. Let I, me, I let, fill in gaps. All right. So they are a marketing and IP owner. So they own... like a, It's a business that markets other stuff. They mostly don't develop their own products, but they buy products or they license them. Um, it's started by a guy named Stephen Gunthry. Is that yeah, his name? There's, there's a guy. One of them's last name is Gunthy. Uh, Guthy? Guthy, not yeah. Guthy. And then the other guy's last name is Ranker. So that's... And the they... And they started, I think, as early as the early 80s. They're in marketing and they bought, basically bought infomercials. And one of the first big hits was they bought the rights to the book, Think and Grow Rich. And they created infomercials and direct response copywriting ads that they put in magazines. And they sold 
shitloads of this book, like millions. Right. So, and then so, they just rinse so, and repeated. And then they eventually bought Proactive. Do they yes. own Proactive? They own Proactive and they own a bunch more. They probably do a billion, north of a billion in sales and yes. they do the same type of model. Go ahead. So, so it's an infomercial, uh, it's a direct response company, which basically st- they made their name by doing infomercial based sales. And they do about between one and a half to two billion in sales a year. They own brands that you've heard. They 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 brought brands to market that you've heard of, like Proactive. Also, Tony Robbins, his kind of personal power, yeah. like audiobooks, um, Think and Grow Rich. So, okay, so here's kind of the, some of the cool stuff I, I found out about them. Okay, so how did it start? One of the guys, I think Guthy, he had started a company, and this is how funny the world works, and why really all you got to do is just get in the game and start making shit happen because. Nobody could have predicted this path, right? So he starts a company that just does audio cassette production. So uh, like uh, copying. So like you have a cassette, you want more copies of that cassette? Send me the send me the original recording, I'll make you a bunch of copies. So it's basically like, this guy's a fucking like Kinko's, right? Like it's just like a printer uh, for audio cassettes. And he gets this order and this guy says, hey, I need 200 to 250. Or sorry, I don't know why I said that. This is a small number. I, basically the guy wanted almost... Uh, almost a hundred thousand cassettes made. And he goes, hundred thousand. What are you making? And um, you know, it ended up being fifty thousand copies of a cassette that was about real estate, about how to make money doing real estate investments. And he's like, wow, this is that's amazing. And he l- looked up the company, and the guy was selling through infomercials. So he goes to his buddy uh, Ranker, and Ranker at this time, I think, had his family owned like kind of like a a, a resort, like a tennis resort or something like that. So he probably comes from a good family. So he goes, hey, dude, this guy ordered for me 50,000 copies of this cassette. It's amazing. Forget making cassettes. Like, let's do this infomercial thing. That must be amazing. And so they go, okay, what are we going to do? We need a product. And so they that's when they were like, hey, what's, what's something we're both into? It's like they both had made their bones. They both really love this book, Think and Grow Rich. So that's when they went and bought the rights to it for $100,000. They ended up making $10 million in the next three years off of sales of Think and Grow Rich, right? They basically bought the rights to Think and Grow Rich and they produced this infomercial. They hire this football player, Frank Tarkenton, to do it. They go, if you, and I, by the way, I watched the full 30-minute infomercial last night at four in the morning. I'm like, uh, I'm like watching this thing and you can find it on YouTube and it has 875 views on this video. And basically, it's th- this infomercial and it starts with like um, this production and it's basically like, these people, it's kind of like testimonials, but they don't tell you what the product is. It's like, you know, I always wanted to just own my own business. I was so tired of working for somebody else. And then finally, I felt like this is the solution broken down into tactical steps. But they don't tell you the name, right? And then it's like an interview with the founder of Domino's. He's like, I never went to college. I had the lowest GPA in my high school class, but I read this book. And afterwards, you know, like it became my blueprint for how I started Domino's. And like, it's like, it's like, what's the book? What's the, they just get you like salivating. What's the book? And then three minutes in Frank Tarkenton comes on. He says, you know, the richest people in the world, Andrew Carnegie and the Rothschilds and whoever else, like all these people are Andrew Carnegie commissioned this guy to go study what the most successful people on earth, the Rothschilds and others were doing. And he went and he interviewed all of them and he packaged it into, he packaged all that, that knowledge and wisdom into a book that's been a bestseller for years. It's the book that executives say is their secret weapon, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, so, it's like such a hard sell, but that's like what infomercials are. It's like, once you get in, you're like, all right, I'll bite. What is it? So yeah, like, okay, I'll order the thing. And so that's how they sold Think and Grow Rich. It's kind of like an amazing infomercial. I, I recommend you go watch it if you're kind of like a marketing and- person. 
by the way, they bought that in 1988. So 100 grand is the equivalent of, is this true? Only $225,000. So it's only 2.2x. Um, and when they, uh, what w- the takeaway here should not be like, I can't do that nowadays. But actually, the if you look at the infomercial, and if you go and if you Google like Guthrie Raker infomercial breakdown, or if you just go and make your own, and you look at, you break it down, and you like copy it word for word, and you break down the sections, and you apply that section to a sales letter right now, it 100% will continue to work. Right. <laughs> like and if so- you see their infomercial, like the ladies are going to be wearing like 1980s clothes, and the guys will have weird haircuts, and you're like, oh my God, it's so old. No, it will continue to work. And TV infomercials at the time was like dirt cheap. So they were, they, when they did the Think and Grow Rich, they just bought TV space in six small TV markets. And like you could buy the midnight slot, the 2 a.m. slot. And these are basically like, it's essentially free. They needed some programming to fill airtime. And so these started out really, really cheap. Now it's gotten much more expensive, right? So like, let's take proactive. I think proactive at its heyday or, or, you know, kind of like some, you know, this is maybe 10 year old data at this point. But they were spending about $250 million a year just on the media buying. So just on the infomercial space. And then they're spending like, because if you go, if you watch a proactive thing, it's like Justin Bieber was their like signature person, right? Because proactive was basically saying, hey, teens, you don't need, you don't have to have acne. You can get rid of your acne this way. And Justin Bieber was like, you know, the teen idol with great skin. And so it was like. Uh, Justin Bieber and Adam Levine and like, you know, the Maroon 5 guy. Like there's all these people, right? Britney Spears, I don't know who else it was. But they, they would get paid 5 to $10 million to appear in a proactive infomercial. Like crazy money for, for an influencer. Like that's a big influencer spend. And so this is just influencer marketing done like at level 12, as I like to say, right? Like what is the, what is the maxed out version of this? Proactive is the maxed out version of it. And so they own like a bunch of brands. They own like Glow by JLo. It's like, you want JLo skin? Buy JLo's Glow. Then it's like, oh, you want uh, this other supermodel skin? Buy her thing. It's like very much around skincare because that, I guess, is like one of the like, you know, that's like the sweet spot of like price, big market, and celebrity endorsements go a long way. The two big niches are fitness, or I would say three skincare, fitness, self help. So like Tony Robbins became like a household name using this on the self-help side. On the fitness side, they had a bunch of different brands. And then Beachbody took the same playbook and they created P90X and the Beachbody program using the same same idea. They became competitors. There's a guy, I'm trying to think of what what's it called? It's called uh, Mind something. I'm trying to look it up. But basically there's a guy, it's not Mind Body, but it's similar to that word. I can't remember uh, what it was. Mind Valley. Mind Valley. Yes, you knew exactly what I was talking about. There's a guy guy in the Philippines or Thailand or I don't know where they're based. Yeah, there's some... I don't want to be disrespectful, but there's some weird stuff going on with this company. I don't know what the truth is. But basically, if you look up this company, Mind Valley, (laughs) mindvalley.com, he does this now. And basically, this company, what they do, they probably do 50 million a year in sales. And what they do is they buy programs from people. So they have one called Lifebook, one called Omvana. I think that's a... uh, yoga thing and then they have evercoach which is uh i actually don't know what some of these services are but they have a bunch of these and what they do is they find people who have like a yoga course or some type of program on so they have programs on sleep they've got programs on yoga on uh meditation health wellness and hippy dippy shit you know it's like a combination of like very legit to like uh you know like tantric astrology or whatever you know like it, it could be anything 
And they're experts on long-form copywriting, which is basically an infomercial. And they're really good at buying traffic. And they make tens of millions of dollars a year in revenue, all bootstrapped. And so if you want to look at the internet version of this, there's also Agora, which is a $1.5 billion. And another version of this is... Uh, we had a guy named Craig... Is Craig Clements. We had a guy named Craig Clements. His business is called Golden Hippo. They own, I think, eight or nine brands. And I think, if I remember correctly, didn't he say they do like mid nine figures in revenue? Yeah, I think I think Golden Hippo, our, our buddy Craig's company, I think it's on par with Guthy Ranker um, in terms of like sort of like success. Uh, I think Guthy Ranker does does over a billion in sales, so you know it, it, it's it's the next level, but. Golden Hippo is that from the internet for the for the internet instead of instead of TV infomercials, they basically just do it with like long form blogs and then long form embedded videos. So if you ever like go down the rabbit hole, like I've tried to do it, I've tried to figure out like look at some of his brands. They hide their brands. They hide them really well. Very hard to find. But when you do find one, you're like, oh okay. And then it's hard to find where they advertising. It's like okay, so they buy a display ad through Taboola on some random article, and it's for a toe cream toe fungus removal and then you click that and then you watch a 40 minute video that auto plays with no pause or skip button and then by the end of that you're like god damn like you know if you ended up making it there you're almost certainly gonna buy this token and then you subscribe to the sms's and then you get like text messages from this legit doctor who you know is the face of the brand it's kind of like the 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 um you know, like Rodan and Fields is another one which spun out of Gunther Raker it's basically like two they created proactive so I think it's two dermatologists that created the formula for proactive yeah. and then they left and created Rodan and Fields, which is a multi-level marketing company that does this, that created their own, they created new formulations and this one they owned a hundred percent. I think that's a multi-billion dollar company as well. And if you're on your computer listening to this, one of Golden Hippo's brands is called uh, Gundry MD. I think Dr. Yeah. Stephen Gundry, uh, a lot of people, he's kind of famous, I think. He's not famous in my world, but I think he's famous in like kind of mainstream world, actually. Yeah. GundryMD.com is their website. Go to that website and look at this website. And it they make it look like it's a small, like Dude, almost mom you. and pop the thing. First thing, Peak Mobility Plus. It's all about you. I mobility. Love you, you love mobility. I love mobility. <laughs> and they even sell dog food. It's like it's it's yeah. a pretty wild business. And I think this is their most popular brand. This brand, yes. if you told me it does a hundred million in sales, I actually wouldn't be surprised. But if you didn't know better, you go to it, you would have no idea. Right. And this is all about like gut health, plant based, you know, plant based eating, uh, stuff like that. And so, like, you know, I get their text messages all the time. Like, uh, don't you know, don't get leaky gut syndrome. Like. By this thing, and uh, <laughs> and so you know it's very fascinating. And, and the reason I like bringing these up, or like what you brought up, I, I think all the companies you brought up today are cool because if you work in our our like most of our friends who are like su- successful internet entrepreneurs, tech people, Silicon Valley executives at big tech companies, they will have never heard of any of this. In fact, I did a breakdown of one of Golden Hippo's flows. Um, and I sent it to all the execs at Twitch. I go, hey, I went down the rabbit hole of this. Like, they laughed at you. Thing. They laughed at you. They were just like, huh, fascinating. And they went back to doing like, you know, spending yeah. millions of dollars on Facebook ads that just said, download Twitch. And it's like, okay, like, you know, like, is there any creativity we could do here? Like to to try to like, like I just showed you one of the most creative things and like, Nobody really cared. Nobody asked any follow-up questions. Some people were just like, ha, huh, cool. Send you know? it to uh, me. Send it yeah, to I'm me. Gonna send it to you. It, it, it was, it's crazy to me. And so like, 
So I, I feel like there's a lot you can learn from from these kind of under the radar brands or non-traditional. And a lot of people just write them off. They're like, oh, infomercial, sleazy, affiliate marketing, sleazy, MLM, sleazy. And like you may be right about like the the sort of like the that these aren't the best products, that they're maybe the best sold products. But look, I'm trying to get great at sales. So why would I not look at the best sold products? It's like a no-brainer to me. This was a good one, I think. Yeah, I think it's a good one. Uh, this is definitely sort of like unusual slash <laughs> potentially gray hat. Trust and untrust, <laughs> untrustworthy businesses. Um, you know, I think it's, it's going to be entertaining. So yeah. Can we wrap up with, well, let me wrap up. First of all, Gunthree Raker is amazing. I would love to see your notes on yeah. that if you can share them. Um, the, also, I want to wrap up with one thing that you, on Twitter, you said you wouldn't call me to invest in your company because I'm risk adverse. <laughs> you, you said this and I want to explain myself because that was a dig at me. I don't think you meant to be rude, but I took it as you being rude. <laughs> and I think that a lot of, of our friends call me this as well. You guys are so wrong. I just don't take dumb risks. So here's, <laughs> here's my philosophy. Listen, here's my philosophy. I So from age 20, I said, by 30, I'm going to make enough money that I never have to worry about money ever right. again. And, I, and so that's when I started my company. Many would say that was incredibly risky. I would say... Compared to the average show, it was, but it wasn't that risky. The reality, it wasn't that risky. Then I got the money and I invest in safe stuff. But here's the thing. When I find shit that I love, I go all in on it. I just, what you and a lot of our friends do is they go, they go to a, they spread their shit like wild. I try to go all in on a couple of things. So I think, I don't think I'm risky or risk adverse. I think that I just pick and choose them differently. Yeah, that's true. Like, okay, let's say uh, let's say I was starting a company, uh, and I think I think I know what your answer would be. But let's see, if I was starting a company, and um, let's say I either didn't have an idea, I just said I'm going to start a company, or I said it's going to be in this space, but I don't know exactly what, or I said an idea that you're like I don't even get that, or that sounds kind of dumb or fuzzy to me. Um, would you just invest then or would you want to wait? Because you know I would let you in at any point. So you like you could. Well, what, 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 I would ask one question. Are you going all in, all right. in and this is going to be your only focus? Right. Yeah. yeah. If, the answer is, if the answer is yes, I would be right. like. And I wouldn't raise money. I wouldn't, you, I wouldn't even ask the valuation. I would just say, right. okay. So that, that's what I think the answer is. And that's kind of the, so the person asked a good question. I did a, a Twitter kind of like, I don't know, like an AMA. Um, where I was like, you know, just shoot me questions. My, my wife took the kids out to Target. I got an hour. I want some immediate rush of Twitter love. Let's just do, do some Q&A. And the person said, you're raising money for a company. Who are your, who, who's the first person you call? And I, I said, I said, like, here's my first five phone calls. And I basically... N- name them. Name them. Uh, I don't really remember what I said. So I, I, I'll so I tell said, you. Suli, Suli yeah. Ali. I totally agree with that. He's an amazing operator. Very good investor. Scott Belsky. Amazing investor. Good signal to everyone. Yeah. Uh, the third was... Uh, Justin Callback, uh, I think I had on there. Who's a... I don't know him well, but he's a, an amazing investor. Yeah. And then I had then, uh, Bology, I think I had on there. They put Bology on. Okay. Obvious reasons. Yeah. Pretty and then I had one more person. Who, who else is on there? I, don't know, I can't find the tweet. I forget who that fifth person was as well. Uh, let, let but I, I'm not offended that I didn't make that list. I'm offended that people think that I'm risk adverse. And, and I had a friend text me. He goes, do people think you're risk adverse? And I was like, <laughs> oh, I think they do. But I think they're okay, The first person I had was Michael Birch, the person who backed me with my previous company. So that, yeah, that would okay. be my first. So here's my like, 
in reality, you know, I'm answering these questions fast. In reality, I would actually not uh, like two people who would uh, two people who I would not actually go to first would not be Scott Belsky or Balaji, right? Because two reasons. I don't actually know them that well. They're not like my homies. They're like, for, you know, like Balaji, I, I consider like, yeah, we're kind of friends, but we never like, we never hung out. Yeah, we're cordial. Uh, Scott Belsky, same sort of thing. Like even, even, even more right. distance actually. And so like, you know, respect, but you know, I can't say this is like my, my homie. And so in reality, my first five calls would be to, to like you, Sully, Michael Birch, uh, you know, Ramon, like a bunch of our, like my true friends who I'm like, Hey, I'm doing something like yeah, family, like, basically yeah. like family. Exactly. And so that's like the true answer uh, for Twitter. You know, I kind of like, I didn't want to put only people that people would not like not recognize their names. You know, I so I put a couple of people that they would know in there. Um, and it's also kind of aspirational. Like who would I want to be in my company? I think Scott Belsky is an amazing product person. So I think that's just like an amazing person to have on there. I think Balaji and he's like the greatest. In, I mean, he's one of the best angel investors. Right. Ever. So he's done well, and I think he's well connected. So I think that's useful to have. And I think uh, uh, Balaji also is like a different kind of signal. So super, obviously, like hyper intelligent. Uh, he comes from the future, so that's helpful in general. And I think that, um, and I think that having him adds credibility because if you only have your friends there, it doesn't help you get the next investor on board necessarily because they look at who else is invested, and if they don't see a name. That they recognize, that they respect, that they don't hasn't been like kind of like they don't see the Harvard stamp of approval on there. So you need that mix in there. So that's my justification for it. But yeah, in reality, I of course would call you. I know, but you said I don't care about that. I care about oh, then I told other people that, that like you're risk averse. <laughs> I think that's crazy. I think that's I put crazy. the smiley face. That I, I, means like, it's a joke. The smiley face means it's a joke. <laughs> oh my god! You think that I'm re- and and to, just I'm gonna wrap it up with talking about Scott Belsky. Scott Belsky, his grandpa started Kaplan. Kaplan. Tutoring. Oh really? You know no way! Is? I did not know that. Yeah, his his grandpa started Kaplan, sold that for like eighty or hundred million dollars, and like I think the eighties or nineties. So it's like you know that's like the equivalent of like three hundred dollars. Then when he was twenty four, he invested fifteen thousand dollars into Pinterest when it was worth three million dollars, and fifteen thousand dollars into Uber when it was worth three million dollars. Right. He did this while he was running his company called Behance, which was mostly bootstrapped until like six months before they sold it. They raised a, a Series A, but prior to that, it was bootstrapped. And when he sold it, he owned, I think, 75% of it. He sold it for like $150 million. Um, and then so he made probably $100 million from the sale, probably $100 million on Uber and $100 million on Pinterest or give or take 50%. And now he's next in line to become CEO at Adobe, gangster, uh, which is like the 40th largest company in, in the world. Yeah, total gangster, um, and good dude, just fun, fun hang, which is you know means and, a lot by to the me. Way, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Financially successful. Uh, whenever I met with him, I met with him uh, a while ago, and like he's like really good looking. He yeah. dresses really nice, <laughs> and he's like fucking dreamy he's like so optimistic and so happy and whenever he like talked i was just like dude whatever you say I'm yeah, he looks like the guy from um, maroon five uh, adam levine exactly he looks like that guy he's very good looking <laughs> and he's nice as hell he's really nice yeah uh okay we uh, should we should wrap it up uh before we just totally you know <laughs> totally uh that's right. I, I, I tried to think, gay for gay for yeah, Belsky. i was trying to think of something that would like be appropriate to say my mind only went to uh, dirty words so I'm, I'm i'm gay for belsky <laughs> i'm hardcore gay for him i like him a lot <laughs> all right we're out of here